Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken match, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting ale, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms of Sophia, some so scary, so legendary. Queer and ranger scrounge the sylvan libraries, for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, thou and serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Strong cards with the cantrip cartel. Hello, Jake here with a quick pre-show note. I made a mistake this week. I didn't update our Patreon list, and so I wanted to give a quick little tidbit before the episode started. Uh, we did have a new patron, CJ. We wanted to welcome to the Patreon channel. So a corrected list of all of our patrons is Emperor, Ramblin' Rogue, Derek, Ashley with the family gathering, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, and CJ. Uh, it felt really bad when we finished recording and I realized I hadn't updated our list, so I wanted to make sure and get that fixed. I'll get it put in here at the beginning of the episode. So uh, all of our patrons get a second shout out this week just because we appreciate you that much and apologize for our mediocre podcasting abilities. Thank you very much and enjoy the episode. The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to planestalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. I watch Two and a Half Men. <laughs> That's kind of like a movie. It's like a movie watching Charlie Sheen's life fall apart. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, to be fair, we always tell everybody to call us out on yep. any bullshit they hear. And then oh. I will flame them. Yep. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. How's it going, Matt? Oh, doing all right. Um, ended up having to work today, so that kind of sucked, but whatever. Uh... Get done early though. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. Just more of a, I don't really want to get into it. Basically, uh-huh. I've been in kind of a bad mood the past week. Well, we got twenty minutes. Let's grind this to the dust. Right. So, uh, while work has been sucking, I did start playing. This Dude, is talking about work sucking before you talk about you're having fun. Yeah. It's 110 fucking degrees today. Yeah, it's not. I great. checked on the way over here. It's like 99. Feels like 108. Yeah, with the heat index and whatnot. Yeah. It's oh my god. Horrible. Um. So we're tucked nicely into my basement where it's yep. relatively cool. Uh, speaking of the basement, that's where I've spent the past few days. Uh, I started playing. I am really late on this one, but I started playing Spider-Man for PlayStation 4. So a nice 10-year-old game. It's. I don't think it's quite that old, but it's pushing it. It's somewhere between 5 and 10. It's obviously the, I mean, I hesitate to call it last gen. Like PS4 is last gen, but it's also been really released on PlayStation 5. And well, PlayStation it, 5 doesn't have much on it anyways. It's also hard to call PS4 last gen when you still can't buy PS5s. That's what I mean. So like this is 
in my opinion, still recent enough that this is definitely not a retro game. It's just I've owned it for years and I just never got around to playing it. Um, it's fantastic. Like, it's probably the best single-player game I've played uh, in a long time. Um, is it the one that came out in 2019, maybe? That's Miles Morales. Marvel <laughs> Spider-Man. Okay, so it's the one before that. Yeah. The problem is you can't just search Spider-Man game because yeah. they're all called Spider-Man. And it might have been. I like. I don't. I got it a couple years ago on like a Black Friday sale, but um, it's it's similar. Like the gameplay is similar to like uh, the Arkham games, like Batman, like Arkham Knight and Arkham. Asylum I saw and stuff that. Like I saw. That. I saw you play like like thirty seconds, and it looked very much. And I don't mean to be rude to the game developer, but it looked a lot like a reskinning of certain scenes in Arkham Knight when he's like jumping down and interacting with the world. Yeah, it's it's got some of that in it. And to be fair, I, it's probably not even a reskin so much as like that seems to just be the way uh, like open world games are now. It's probably a better way to put it. Yeah, like they just it's a formula. That's kind of the way. The cool thing is they've done like all of Manhattan. The island, mm -hmm. and it's awesome. That's like, one of the coolest things games have started doing recently. Is instead of like creating a city that looks like Tokyo, they just made Tokyo enough times that now there's a there's, there's like a, a digital map of Tokyo, right? And, and now, you can just like it doesn't have literally every single house, but the entire thing is full, and you yeah. can tell they reuse buildings and whatnot. But, but the has, important stuff is there. The important stuff is there, and then one of the cool things, uh, you know, they have all these like worldwide objectives you go around mm -hmm. doing. One of them is landmarks. And, like, you take pictures of them because Peter Parker is a uh -huh. photographer. So, like, it really makes the world feel real. And, it like, because, like, you go down to Chinatown and snap pictures and you go to, like, museums and stuff mm -hmm. that actually exist. And, like, that little area is done really well. Like, and in between those is, like, you know, the rescans and, like, the typical video game stuff. Mm -hmm. But in between the landmarks or, like, the landmarks themselves and right around them, it looks really cool. So, I learned recently that Japanese anime, most of that stuff is set in the world. And the animators, like, use the world around them for their scenes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I, I saw a TikTok, and it might just be Japanese, but this is why I know a couple of them that were certainly Japanese. But it's pictures of anime. Well, it's the screenshot of an anime next to the picture of that location. Yeah. And it's, like, stairwells and buildings and billboards and walkways and yeah, railings. Yeah, they're using real yeah, they, areas. They, Real scenery. And obviously, I never noticed because I don't live there. If you lived in Japan, you'd probably be like, oh, my God, I know where that staircase is, which is why it's probably super, super cool for the people that live there. I mean, if they fucking – if they started making a cartoon where it was in Indiana, and you could be like, oh, my God, I <laughs> delivered to that street. Right. But, like, that was a really, like – a real shock to be like, wow, they they just make stuff that in the world. So if as a watcher, you get to you get to see bits of your life, or walking around, you'd be like, that is where I don't know if Saitama does that. That's where Saitama fucking killed a guy. Yeah, well, there's a just made me think of like Inception, where it's like you're not supposed to do that in Inception. Uh, have you seen Inception? Um, you, you know the in premise. The in the strictest definition, I have observed Inception. Gotcha. <laughs> to say that I understand or... Well, in, in, in it, the architect is the one who builds the world they go into, that they dive uh -huh. into. And, and they're they dreaming, right? Yes, they're dreaming. And so it's a dream and a dream and a dream. There's multiple things, but like the, the basic premise is like we all use this machine. There's one person who designs the world, and they're like they lay it out. Uh-huh. Well, one of the things they tell you is to not well, – one of the things the main character tells the architect is don't use whole areas from real life because that's how you can really lose track of whether you're in a dream or real world. Like if you just make downtown New York uh -huh. as your dream world, 
how are you supposed to be able to tell between yes. <laughs> what when you wake up? I remember that just reminded me of that. I remember there was I remember the one of the through lines of that movie at the very end. The the thing is like, are they out yet? I remember that being one of the yeah. through lines where it's like, because the top is still spinning, isn't it? That's the whole thing. Is like uh, the top will spin forever in the machine or something. The we could literally do two hours on Inception, and I'd love to. No, but I don't like okay. have time for that. That's Inception's okay. an amazing movie. Uh, I can't remember the title, what you had to search for. There's a YouTube thing where a professor breaks down Inception uh-huh. and the different ways the movie can be interpreted. And if you really like the movie, you should check it out. Do you know what kind of a fucking bullseye you hit by saying a movie name that I have actually seen? Yep. Well, was, Inception was huge. Like, yeah. It's like, well, have you seen, you know, the newest Marvel movie or Batman? I was at the card shop recently, today, mm-hmm. and uh, Mike, the owner there at Sage Shop, I don't think he'll mind me putting a name out because I'm advertising the Sage Shop, which is our preferred store to go to. I was helping clean stuff, clean stuff up because we had a July 4th party last night. And he asked me if I've seen, like, the Thin Man movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I haven't. And he was like, oh, they were movies in the 1940s. And I wanted to be like, you have no fucking clue how far off the mark you are, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> there was, well, to put it in perspective, I watch a ton of movies and I don't watch movies at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you seen movies that were, that came out that 80, 80 years, years ago? ago? No. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> that movie is almost they, four times older than me. Right. Like, it's <laughs> just so funny. I, it's a movie he liked, and he, yeah. I guess they were artistically very well done. It's <laughs> just so fun. Anyone listening, I haven't seen any movie. Think of your favorite movie. I haven't seen it. More than likely. Think no. of your top five movies. I might have seen one of them, maybe. And he probably didn't like it. Probably didn't like it. I don't watch movies. So to have someone walk up and be like, hey, have you seen these movies from the 30s? Nope. <laughs> Shockingly, I haven't. <laughs> Dude, I haven't even seen the blockbusters from the aughts, let alone but, the fucking 30s and 40s. Yeah. You should see Top Gun, by the way. It's really good. Uh, I have seen the vast majority of Top Gun. No, not the... I meant the new one. Oh, the new one? Yeah. I have heard on a different podcast, and from you, that like Top Gun is like one of the best movies recently made. It. I don't want to overhype it, because what it is at its core is an action movie about fighter jets. Uh-huh. So like you're not talking like an art piece kind of movie is there here. any tiger blood in it? Any what? Tiger blood. No. That's Charlie Sheen. I'm aware. Okay. Just making sure. I know who Tiger Blood is. Yeah, but how am I supposed to know that? You yeah, watch yes, movies. I watch Two and a Half Men. <laughs> that's kind of like a movie. It's like a movie watching Charlie Sheen's life fall apart. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the only valuable thing Hollywood ever does is just have celebrities that we can watch, you know, them crumble. Anywho, back to Spider-Man. So Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, this game. Uh, it's super cool. Like, the, the web slinging is great in it. Like, I get distracted because I just... Yeah, move around town a ton, um, but like my favorite one in this kind of genre of games was Mad Max. So like I don't love Same. this, like I don't love the style of game so much that I'll play any of them. Uh-huh. But like when one gets it, like yeah. I I played the Batman yeah. games and I didn't really like them all that much. They were okay. Yeah, Mad Max was fantastic. I need to replay Mad Horizon Max. Zero's on. Dude. dude was cool, but I like I played it for about thirty or forty hours, but I never beat it. Mad Max broke my fucking heart. The game. Yeah. And so I'm like, spoiler alert for the ending, I'm going to talk about it. The game's like 10 years old. If you missed, I'm sorry, guys. Dude, I was so excited. I'm a, I'm a happy ending guy at heart. Yes. <laughs> I was so, like, this dude's fucking life is finally coming to some kind of closure. He's got a bitch he loves, a kid. There's a kid involved, wasn't there? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Like he's, like, he's basically building himself a fucking build-it-your-own family. In the wastelands. Where he's got his own little mutant on We're the fucking back of his pulling car. together. He's got his car running. He's like finding a reason to exist. And they just 
Take it snap all of the fingers, brutally murdered and hung up to dry. Yep. And I, that was like one of the first kickoffs in my brain where I was like, fucking let it burn. I will burn this goddamn world down. <laughs> and I start, I used to just drive past it. I started stopping and killing people because <laughs> Fuck you. I'm so mad at everything. You took everything from this guy. That was that was one of the few games, like, I, if I remember correctly, I 100%ed that on PC. Like, I've done everything you can do in that, and then I did it again on PlayStation 4. Like, I love Mad Max. That game's awesome. I love the... Makes me sad thinking about it. I the played car the game. combat in that was so much fun. And, like, I was a huge Twisted Metal fan back in the day, mm-hmm. like Twisted Metal 1, 2, and then Twisted Metal Black. Well, so you were talking about how you kind of get lost in the travel of Spider-Man, and yeah. I would do, you can do the same thing on that. I you just like you just drive around just and drive. look for people to fight. It's just, but it's just fun driving. Mm-hmm. The hurricane or the the sandstorms. Uh huh. I would. So, have you seen Mad Max Fury Road? I haven't seen any of them. So the soundtrack in that's amazing. The movie as a whole is amazing. I've heard. Um, and that's what a lot of that's what basically the game is based off loosely, like the I, war, the setting with the, like sure. the war boys and stuff like that. They do these. There's this these giant sandstorms. And you do those in the games. So what I would do, I was playing on my PC and I'd have my headphones on. I would turn on the Mad Max soundtrack oh, whenever one of those came on. Gotcha. And I'd just like 100% sucked in. It in was the world. Of, in the world. Like it was so much fun. Like when you're doing like fighting a caravan in a sandstorm uh-huh. was an amazing video game experience. So the other game I was going to compare that to where I got lost in travel a lot was um, – Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Yeah. You play Black Flag? No, I haven't played any of the Assassin's Creeds. In my opinion, uh, I've played... That's the pirate one, right? It's the pirate one. I've played many of them. And by many, I mean, like, let's say three or four. Sure. There's like 12. Yeah. i played three or four. Um, they're okay. They're okay. Black Flag is, in my opinion, by far the best gameplay out of all of them put together. Mm-hmm. Cruising around in your fucking pirate ship, just looking for bitches to merc. Just raiding other and get, ships. But it was and... one of those things like you just get lost. There's a lot of travel in the game. It's a very large world, and there's a lot of travel, like long distance travel. Even your ship goes pretty quickly. And like the pirates will sing shanties, and you can find more shanties. But like I used to, um, when you go like to full speed, then they'll start singing. Yeah. I would like go to full speed and then back out and go to full speed and to back get out. the song you want. To find the right song. And the, <laughs> yep. It is so easy to just like forget you're playing a game as you're just cruising through the ocean onto this ship with all the people singing shanties, looking for stuff to do. Again, it's one of those I also need to replay. Yeah. You easily get lost in the travel. Yep, and that's what a good the, game that is. Like that's the kind of ex- that's the kind of experience I look for in a video game anymore. Like if I if that game doesn't suck me into the point where I get lost playing it, mm-hmm. I don't bother anymore. Like I have very little free time. There's for all intents and purposes, infinite entertainment anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and most of it's free, too. And most of it's either free or the Nominal. cost is not pro- prohibitive at all. So, like, I don't want to play your mediocre game. Uh-huh. I will play, like, I play a game for a couple hours, and if I make it a couple hours and I'm not just, like, all in it, then I just immediately stop mm-hmm. playing. Because, like, there's just, there's always something I could be doing better. Oddly enough, the other game I started playing this weekend was called V Rising, which is kind of like... It's technically, they market it as an MMO, but I played it as single player. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a mix between Valheim, Twilight, <laughs> and uh, Diablo. So it's like this isometric third-person view mm-hmm. from the top. Uh, you wake up, you have to build your own castle and whatnot. Uh, you level up and you like drink blood from everybody, but it has one particular mechanic that's really cool. 
That's the only reason I bring it up. Mm. In this game, if you're out in the sunlight as a vampire for more than like five or ten seconds, it kills you. Oh, nice. So, but it has a day and night cycle, and it's an open world game. So you have it's like a giant game of the floor is lava. Uh huh. So you have to be in the shade. So like you're moving through a forest and you want to kill these like whatevers to drink their blood, right? You have to fight them in the shade. And when they knock you out, you start this starts the timer. And then you have to reset the timer by going back in the shade. And it makes uh. combat really interesting. Because like like I said, so, the floor is lava and yeah. you're trying to fight things. So it's like that thing we talked about with uh satisfactory where the day night cycle is just useless and a waste yeah complete opposite in this yeah where it's a game changer yeah i mean can you travel around at night yeah is there sleeping you can't sleep through the night oh the day you mean yeah you can't sleep through the day okay so like, you have you to can, play through you can go in your coffin but it's kind of like a it's the going in a coffin is kind of like a uh pause button effectively yeah it doesn't like, you can't be time. attacked or anything but it doesn't skip time it's not like minecraft where you hit the bed and it's just night or okay. daytime again you have to be prepared to play during the day gotcha. and it's Pretty entertaining. So that was the we only gonna, other thing I did. We were gonna fill up our fans' Steam library. Yep. I if you're if you liked if you played Valheim or uh Minecraft or any of those kind of survival games, it's kinda cool. Like you have to the building aspect is simplified, but mm-hmm. I actually prefer that because of that like something like Valheim's you have a ton of options, but it's very mm-hmm. hard to build anything that looks good. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah, like, this the, is the like, game does a good like it lets you clip things through other things, so it helps. But yeah, it's, you got to arrange them like pixel perfect. Yeah, there's no snapping. Yeah, this that makes is, it it's really all snapping. Hard. Like Fast. the entire building is all snapping. What you do is you pull, you put down like a, uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's effectively a fountain of blood, mm-hmm. and like that claims your territory because it's supposed to be a multiplayer game. So it claims your territory, then you buy basically squares are that are little plots of land that you can build on and then you start as you get more materials you can like put floors and walls and stuff like that because you're supposed to build this big castle mm-hmm. and that's where like you do all your crafting and stuff like that the progression system is really solid uh it's very it kind of it hooks you in pretty well because like you're just always making just a little bit of forward progress about yeah. the only thing i don't like is the gathering takes a little it takes a little bit too long mm-hmm. so like if you want to make um lumber you have to get planks of wood so you have to chop down the wood which mm-hmm. is a kind of a pain because you can only effectively do it half the time oh yeah you, i mean just you can cutting, do it during the day just but, cutting down a tree make a bunch of light right yeah. and make well the trees are your own real form of shade so you have to go someplace because you you kind of want shade around your house do they so regrow at least they seem to okay but I, I haven't been able to confirm that. The hilarious dichotomy where it's like you're slowly just <laughs> getting rid of any a, shade. Creating a field of death around your castle. Right. And well, and that's what I was worried about. So I always moved away from my castle because uh-huh. I didn't know. Um, but then like if you want you have to take it and you put it in your sawmill, and it is automated, but it takes forever. Oh. So it takes like 10 to 20 seconds, I don't remember exactly, to make too to take, long. Yeah, and then the, it takes multiple. So like I needed you hit what really sucks is when you hit a new tier. So, like, you're using stone and whatnot for basic stuff, and then you have to make stone bricks. So you throw the stone bricks in the machine, or the stone into the machine that makes stone bricks, and but you need hundreds of them because yeah. you just got to the new tier, and what this new tier is allows you to build walls, like stone walls. So, yeah. like, you have to rebuild your entire castle, and you're just sitting there waiting for this machine to do its job. That's the thing Satisfactory did right, where right. when you get something going, you, like, pretty soon have, like, 5,000 of it. Yeah, and, it's and like, you're oh, just... Thank goodness. Right, so... Between V Rising and uh, Spider Man, I've had a pretty active weekend. Yeah. Uh, I did not go to Pioneer. I was a little stressed out from work. Yeah, busy day. 
So we actually yeah. had ten people. We had ten people on July fourth. I'm. That was one of the things I was worried about. Like, yeah. That's why I texted you. I was like, hey, if it's gonna make or break, if if I'm there, I, will I didn't be think there. we'd fire. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's so hard to fire an event on a holiday. Yep. Especially in a college town during summer. Yeah. There's. Like we've been firing these these little Monday night pioneers between eight and twelve people every week for the last like five weeks, yep. including holidays. You've done you uh, you guys have done a good job putting Crazy. together a good little group over there. The other thing oh. I did, so a little bit more in gaming news, I am getting back into Pathfinder, even though I hate Pathfinder because it's what we play apparently. Just for clarification, the tabletop RPG. Yeah, the yeah table yeah TTRPG. Yeah, uh, there's a Sunday group that plays at the Sage's shop, and so I started going there off and on and we had we had a little kind of one shot yesterday that i played around with first time playing first time playing pathfinder in many years but i enjoyed it it's fun i might start dming soon because i do like dming a little more than i like playing but you might like dming pathfinder a little you have a lot of freedom as a dm in pathfinder so i don't know we'll I, see as I, I was talking to the store owner mike about it and i was like you know fast track me to help be one of the dms because there's a bunch of dms that never get to play anyway yep i'm more excited to dm than play so get me to where you let me dm some stuff and with a with a pre-built campaign, I'm pretty sure I could do it like this weekend. Like, well, that's I know how to DM Fifth Edition v- pretty well. It's bait. So like, the crunch is a little more intense, but like the rules are, st- it's still D and D. Yeah. So it's gonna be, yeah, you're gonna attack this guy, and oh cool, your a your attack did not exceed his AC, yep. meet or exceed, because I think yeah, there's different versions that the, needs to either meet or exceed. We're, we're doing meter beat. We're yeah. doing meat beats. Yep. Um, but yeah, like that's it's a TTRPG. It's older than. 5th edition, but it's very similar. I know how to do 5th edition pretty well, so I'm sure I'll be fine. But in case people are interested, I am getting back into TTRPGs. The uh, the thing with DMing or GMing with me, it's never been knowing the rules. It's the creativity part of it. Yeah. Like, the rules to me is the, are the, they're the easiest thing to learn. Because mm-hmm. they're hard rules usually. Right. It's just like, yep, you did this, this happens, yeah. or we roll to see what happens or yep. whatever. It's the creativity part that's the difficult thing for me. Like crunching the numbers, I can do just fine. Yeah. And I feel very good about the creativity yeah. part. I'm pretty well. on the fly. So before we get going any further, I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping from last week. I did have someone on Reddit, uh, shout out to Emperor for putting our stuff on Reddit, appreciate it every week. Uh, he informed me that I was wrong. Um, the Overwatch 2 bundle that I can purchase, apparently, as an upgrade, is what is like buying you early access to the beta. On release, Overwatch 2, uh, at least the online multiplayer, will be free. So that'll be cool. Uh, I think you can pay for a campaign-style game, mm-hmm. but you can play online for free, kind of like the new Call of Duties. I had heard that, but I tried to research it and couldn't find it, so I assumed that it was wrong. But I have now heard from multiple people that Overwatch 2 will be free, which is probably okay, considering Overwatch 2 isn't really like is it a dis- new enough. It's definitely labeled can- a new game. So it's not an expansion for Overwatch 1. You were either playing Overwatch or Overwatch 2? I think so. Is that correct? I actually think they're going to... So based on what this person said... Are they, they turning they, Overwatch into Overwatch 2? I think they're upgrading Overwatch into Overwatch 2. So I think you, I don't think you'll have the option to play Overwatch 1. You might. I could be wrong. But well, I, Blizzard is known for doing that. Yeah, you might be forced to be... You get a free upgrade, essentially, to Overwatch 2, and you might be forced to play Overwatch 2. Gotcha. So it's kind of confusing, but people are interested. It should be relatively free to play. If you want to just play online, like most people play Overwatch. The other <laughs> thing is, I want to give a shout out to our patrons. We've got Emperor, like I said, who puts all of her stuff on Reddit. Big shout out to Emperor. We've got Ramblin' Rogue, Derek and Joe, who are with the Family Gathering podcast, and we recommend everyone check them out. Really great, wholesome podcast with their kids. Uh, we've got Eric. We've got Mono Wolf, who Mono Wolf we got a couple weeks ago. We got to help brew up a sweet popper deck for him. I say brew, but we kind of helped him tune his popper yeah. deck. 
we didn't make one up for him. It was definitely his idea, and I'm excited to see how it turns out. And we've got Ethan, our newest patron. So uh, Ethan, in case anyone, in case anyone at the card shop is wondering, that is indeed Spirit Richard. The other thing I want to, uh, the other thing I want to fix is last week we talked about the Planesockers podcast. So that's Monday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Twitch.tv forward slash Planesockers podcast. Uh, Discord is Discord or uh, was it Discord.com forward slash Planesockers podcast? Anyway, they're doing a sweet giveaway that we're trying everyone to be involved in. You have to join the Discord to be a part of it. I was wrong when I said they're going to open a collector booster box and then give it away based on value. They both have draft boxes of Double Masters. Mm -hmm. They will be opening those live on stream, and then whoever pulls the most value, anyone who votes for them, one name will be drawn out, and that person will receive a sealed collector box of Double Masters. Which currently the EV on those is like through the roof. Yeah, I mean, I think the EV is like <clears throat> six, seven hundred bucks. I think they're four or five hundred bucks. I, I think it's hard to get them for less than five hundred bucks um, on like TCG and whatnot because they basically sold out. So we were, I was just totally wrong last week when I kind of quickly read the Discord. So like I said, if you you have to watch the stream or at least be there at the end when he calls the name, but they'll be opening their boxes of draft booster packs. Whoever whoever gets the most value will be the winner. And then everyone that voted for the winner will get an entry into the pot. They'll pull a random name out, and that person will get mailed to them a sealed Double Masters collector booster box. So that's a pretty sweet giveaway that is literally free to enter, and I think everyone should hop over to the Discord. Uh, first, gotta make sure and vote for Will or Aramis. I voted for Will already. And then uh, make sure and tune in on Twitch. That's going to be, I believe it is this Sunday, July 10th. And I could be wrong, so make sure and check the Discord. Because the rules and the times are all on there, and they were kind of trying to figure out what time it was going to be. But I, I think it's July 10th at like 1 or 2 p.m. But I'm not positive on that, so I'll try and get it in the show notes. Other than that, I don't think <clears> I have any other housekeeping. So, Matt, how is Legacy looking? Uh, Mediocre. Uh, Saturday. 22% one deck. That's mediocre. Uh, Well, Saturday's was a little better. Oh, okay. So, you know, I don't want to... We we typically speaking only talk about one challenge, but I don't want to like judge the whole format by one. Um, but Saturday, just give a quick overview. Saturday actually didn't look that bad as far as like the Delver Menace goes. There was two in the top thirty-two on Saturday, mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of others. So like that's kind of where what we want to uh, see gotcha. a lot of combo, but you know whatever. It's not Delver. So at this point, it's not I think, Delver. And yeah. combo is in combo has been in the last like four months in that rotation of like combo gets good, combo gets bad, combo gets good, combo gets bad. Yeah. Uh, the Sunday one, the one we typically speak and talk about, uh, looked less, far less diverse. Yeah. More um, normal than what we expect. Yes. So we've got uh, Bullwinkle 6705 bringing it home with Blue Red Delver. Well done. Let's see which version it is. This is actually Ledger Shredder Delver. Yep. Delverless Delver. Yep. Um, this is the typical one with like predicts. We've got a uh, well, the typical well, Delverless the typical, Delver. Yeah, it's yeah. the it's the no Delver. Now they've added yep uh, down, Ledger Shredder to no Delver. Yep, up on Ledger Shredder, down on down on Dazes, up on predicts. Yeah, <clears throat> so two Pyroblasts in the main. Yep, you got counterbalance in the side. Like so, a little more, a few slower, grindier cards like Court mm -hmm. of Ire, um, stuff like that. So rough again, and, rough and tumble. Yeah, it's not the typical. Delver deck. It has most of the same cards, but um, so far this is, at least in Legacy, the only real deck we've seen that's been seeing Ledger Shredder play mm -hmm. at all. Uh, and it seems to have a little bit of success. Whether or not that's due to Ledger Shredder is up for debate, but it's you know, in the deck. You know, Matt, my birthday is coming up if you want to get me some Ledger Shredders. It is coming up. 
<laughs> you will have the. Never mind. I was going to make an office joke. They they, we'll they hang it. up a sign. Dwight is responsible for a birthday party, and he's kind of lame. So it, the sign just says, "It is your birthday." Period. <laughs> <laughs> so it is what, your birthday. It is your birthday, Jake. Period. <laughs> no exclamation points. Nope. No happy birthday. We are acknowledging the fact that <laughs> you were born. It is confirmed. Today is in fact your birthday. Yeah. Uh, next up in second, we've got Sultai Depths, and this actually does have some color, uh, some Sultai color yep. stuff in there. Unlike we've got, the, we've got blue and green pips, right? The uh, for a couple weeks, mono black depths was uh, it had, was a little bit of a flash in the pan. Um, MTG Goldfish was labeling it Sultai Depths mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, this is actually Sultai Depths. Briefly go over the list here because there are some differences here. We've got uh, Vampire Hex Mage and Elvish Spirit Guide mm -hmm. for early combo potential. The Spirit Guide gives you that turn one mana. Um, Vampire Hex Mage obviously just removes all the counters from uh, Dark Depths to make your 2020. Yep. Uh, crop Rotation, uh, Duress. <clears throat> got a couple Stifles, which is exciting. Uh, Stifle's one of those cards everybody loves. Everyone who plays Legacy goes, I love Stifle, and then they get Stifled, and yeah. they're like, I fucking hate that card. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I love to not play around Stifle. Yep. And then get got by Stifle. <laughs> yep. And it, you kind of have to hand it to them. You're Dude. like, well, you're playing bad cards, so good Talking job. Talking about getting got, I, I played, uh, I was playing Joe last night at Pioneer, and we fan mm -hmm. we played Modern, and did you know that Blood Moon is still a card? It sure is. Do you know getting turn two Blood Moon is pretty fucking rough? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Enjoy your mountains, Jake. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I literally I fetched one planes so that I could ephemerate my solitude, and then like two turns later, he fucking pillaged it. <laughs> so game two, bringing all the thought seizes. Turn one thought seize, get that fucking Magus out of here. Mm hmm. Then he goes and he plays. Then he draws Blood Moon and plays it. Nice. Turn one ramp. Yep. He goes first. I, I maybe I at first, but I didn't. Maybe I didn't have thoughts. I don't know. He plays ramp. I go. No, I go. Some. I don't know what happened. Thoughtsies. Yeah. Take that. Take that shit out of there. Get that Magus. Draws Blood Moon. Slams Blood Moon. Cool. Glad I have a swamp. <laughs> Until he pillaged it two <laughs> turns later. <laughs> Land destruction is the best. Yeah, do you know Blood Moon's still a thing? It sure is. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Stifle and Blood Anywho. Moon are in similar veins to me. Speaking where it's just of which, like... yep, I mean, it's right there. Uh, the next card, Thoughtseize. So we've got six discard spells. Uh, so going in strong against your combo matchups and mm -hmm. taking out the ways to deal with your combo. Yep. Good protection in yep. this deck. Sure is. Uh, then we got Sylvan Scrying, digs out the Dark Depths or the uh, Thespian Stage. And then Not of This World, this is actually kind of a cool card. Uh, counter target spell or ability that targets a permanent you control. It it's seven. seven mana. Yeah, seven uh, generic. And then it costs seven less to play if it targets a spell or ability. If the spell, if it targets a spell or ability that targets a creature you control with power seven or greater. Yeah. So what it's in there for is anybody yeah. should be able to figure out is to protect your merit lage yeah. token. Anything targeting your merit lage at that point it's essentially pact of negation. Correct. With no downside. So and that's really all you would ever do with it. Like it's the card is there's nothing to protect in this deck. Yeah. So uh then we got Lotus yeah. Petal for more acceleration for that turn one or guaranteeing that turn two combo. Pithing Needle, just for generic good stuff. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of stuff to name. Wasteland would be one of the big ones. Yeah. It's almost always naming West Wasteland. Yes. That's I mean, like that's the primary one, and then I almost guarantee Stifle is there for Wasteland. Like yeah, I, 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 be, I bet Stifle, I bet Stifle's primary target is Wasteland. Yep, it's 
that protects it. It yeah. gets people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can stifle the uh, dark depth trigger when the counters are removed. You sure can. And then it just happens immediately again. <laughs> doesn't do anything. <laughs> it doesn't, but you, it's yeah. a legal game action it you can does take. Counter that ability, yep. and then it checks again. <laughs> it's a legal game action you can take. There I was, fucking. There I don't was know. a Reddit post about somebody who asked a judge that, uh-huh. and they're like, "This is." The, what, I guarantee they said posting. is, "Can I stifle that ability?" Yep. And the judge said, "You can." Yes. And then so he did, and then it happened again. Yeah. So that's one of the things you always want to be very careful with. Judges, from to the best of my knowledge, they can't give you any strategic advice. Correct. But you, they can answer game rules questions. Yeah. You could have said, if what I stifle that, that? <laughs> if I stifle that, will it still just happen again? And the right. judge would say, yes. Yes. But that's a, the classic one you always say is, um, can I name blank with pithing needle? Sure can. Hey, judge, can I name uh, dark confident with pithing needle? You absolutely can. It won't do anything, but you are legally allowed to name Dark Confidant yep. with Pithing Needle. Well, and in theory, you could add a activated ability sure. to yeah. Dark Confidant, and he wouldn't be able to use you it. You could put, um, what's that uh, What's that popper card we put on elves that lets him ping a creature? Spider Silk Armor or whatever? Uh, uh, no, Viridian, Viridian Bow. Longbow. You could yeah. give it Viridian Longbow, and now it cannot tap to ping. Yep. But yeah, you be careful with that when you ask your judge. You need to ask your judge very specific questions. Uh Rounding out the sideboard, we've got pretty typical stuff here. Leyline of the Void, Force of, Force of Vigor, Dismember, Collector Oath. Something mildly traction. interesting, only one Sajiri step. Two has been quite stock for a while. Uh, the second Sajiri step really gets a lot of people, and mm-hmm. it's interesting to see a deck like this go down. Kind of makes sense. It's a three-color deck, and Sajiri step doesn't cast any of the spells no, in it. it's just in there for the ETB. Yeah. Sajiri step ETBs and gives a creature pro a color, so you can make your Merit Lage crop rot it out and counter their swords of plowshares. Yeah. Or let it attack through their Merktide region. Yep. Multiple different things to do. I've been playing uh, that heroic deck in Pioneer has really made me really like giving protection, <laughs> at in- especially at instant speed. It's a lot of fun. Nobody sees it coming. Like, white counter spells. <laughs> I know. <I'm... laughs> uh, third place, we've got... Matt- it- Matt has taught me to play Make Him Have It Magic, and he always fucking has it. <laughs> That's what I want you to think. <laughs> Did I tell you I got to teach Mike about that? Yeah, I think I was talking with some. I was playing someone, and I was talking about how I beat him. And mm-hmm. I basically I had the thing where I was like, if I cast this, he loses, unless he kills it, and then I lose. And I was like, about yeah, you just gotta make him have it. And Mike was like, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, sometimes you find yourself in situations where either I go for it and win, or I go for it and lose. And sometimes you have to make them have the answer. Yep. And a lot of times, shockingly enough, as a person who loves to play control, they don't have the answer yeah. quite often. Most of the time, the control player is like sweating bullets because he's got three lands that he's been sandbagging yeah. and like leaving a, three lands up every turn. We're card. bluffing. Yeah. Yep. Well, so, you have to. That's that's part of it. Yep. So you, uh, the idea is you have to. If you you lose to an answer, make him have the answer. Yep. And he it, didn't have it. Assuming you can't attack in another way. Yeah. That of is part of that. It's not always like. Yep. That's one of the things that can very easily be misconstrued as a newer player. Yeah. You, you don't make them have days. You can play around days. Yes. It's when the game is on the line and you're going to lose otherwise, cast that natural order because if not, the counter, it's mm-hmm. already, the the mystery counter spell you think they may have is already countering your natural yep. order if you never cast it. Yep. And it then was, they're uh, not spending cards or mana on it. The turn was if I didn't, if I didn't cast my pile driver and attack, I j- I'm probably going to lose. I'm falling behind quickly. And the next draw was a Vanishing Verse. Yep. If I gave him one more draw, there's a Vanishing Verse. And, and that will kill my pile driver and eliminate my entire attack. Yeah. So just get in. And and this thing, that's one of the things people, you have to keep in mind is, every, especially if you're playing in Legacy against blue decks and you're not playing a blue deck, 
you have one natural order in your hand, right? Mm-hmm. Like, again, we're all, all my stories are going to come from the perspective of elves. Of course, we're all playing guys' cradles. Right. So you've got the one natural order. Every turn you give your blue player, uh-huh. he's looking at between three and six cards. He's much more likely to find an answer yep. every turn than you are to draw a second one. Uh-huh. Like you have to, like you cannot give them any more time because that's what the entire, that's all their decks are designed to do is find the right card Yep. and be able to always have the right card. The more time you give them to do that, it's inevitable they're going to get yep. their force of will of force of negation. I feel bad. Who's in third place? <laughs> third place. We've got, it's listed as Esper, Esper Stoneblade, but it's actually Esper Cephalid Breakfast. Ah, uh, uh, yes. So it is a mix of like a stone blade list and cephalid breakfast. Yeah. But like, I don't really call this a stone blade. That's just a naming convention. Thing. I don't know, man. You're running four nomads on core. You're you're running four cephalid illusionists and four nomads on core. You're a cephalid breakfast. That's deck. what I mean. Like, yeah. The card if like I don't you've care. Got if people... Eight cards in here that do absolutely actually twelve because you've got narcomibas yeah. or eleven. I don't care if you put Delver and Merktide in this list. Yeah, it's that's definitely breakfast. breakfast. <laughs> so um, we've seen this deck a lot before. Uh, kind of again, it kind of pops up in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's people... one of those like World Gorgeous Dragon. It has a huge following, and the people that work on it work on it very aggressively yeah. and get very good with it. Um, outside of just the initial innovation of combining these two decks, mm-hmm. I haven't seen a ton of change. Like week to week to week, uh, once this deck kind of started showing up, the list is it's not like 100% the same every week, but they're yeah. pretty solidified. The combo package is always the same, obviously. You have the the enablers with Nomads on course, Cephalid Illusionist, the Thassa's Oracle to win the game, the uh, the Dread Return to bring it back, and this has just filler cards in a bunch of really good white stuff like Recruiter of the Guard and Palace Jailer and Solitudes and Skyclaves and yeah. Stone Bl- and Stoneforge. It's an 80 card deck, and it's got basically most of it is just the good stuff in legacy to be doing yeah so you've it's, got the good blue stuff and then death and taxes it's kind of like yeah like the original like the good the best of 60 death and taxes with a combo kill yeah so kind of funny um i mean the funny thing is it's the cephalid breakfast is about the biggest showing we've seen of anything close to that and tax death and taxes yeah for a long time like, in the top eights, at least. In top eights, like it pops up. There's usually one in the top thirty-two. I don't. I can't remember the last time it topped eight a Sunday challenge that we have actually talked about it. It's been a it's been a long time. So we only had one in the top thirty-two this month. Yeah. This week, sorry. Um. So Cephalid Breakfast is by far the best death and taxes death and taxes build. The same way that Blood Moon Stompy is by far the best Goblin deck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, fourth place is a Delver. Let's see. This looks like their traditional build. Uh. I'm not gonna spend all day talking about this. You got one whole breacher in the side. Yeah. Like you got a fork bolt in the main. That's kinda cool. Yeah. So anyway. Anywho, next. Uh fifth place, we've got reanimator. Yeah. I've decided I think if I went because you have most of the pieces and I have most of the other rest of the pieces, if we decide to go to a legacy event, I really might sleeve up reanimator. Well I, that's nobody I don't think we ever told the story. So you started playing. I got you to play Legacy. Oh my you God. Yeah, you'll tell this fucking story. I went and to then... Matt and I was like, hey, Matt, we play Commander a lot. <laughs> and I'm a pretty competitive person. I kind of want to play competitive magic. What's a good format? Because I, I couldn't even name them to get into. And he's like, well, Standard sucks because it's a very bad investment for money, which it is because yep. it rotates. Modern at the time was in a very bad place. Pioneer didn't exist. So you should build Legacy. And Legacy was actually awesome at the Legacy time. Legacy was really good. <laughs> So I spent, over the course of about a year, year and a half, approximately $1,800 on a legacy deck. And my first legacy deck was, in fact, Black Red Reanimator. Yep. 
and I ended up buying most of it. Yep. Um, I decided I wanted to play blue cards, so he helped me. Uh, Matt helped me buy my forces. He bought a bunch of my bunch of my deck. Helped me buy into at the time was going to be four color snow control. Yeah. But helped me basically get some force of wills and some force of negations and get some of the key blue staples. Yep. And in typical fashion, I buy cards I never play with, and then they sit in the binder. So, like I said, if you ever want to build Reanimator, we just need to put it back in your sleeves as opposed to mine. <laughs> Sounds good. Any chance you want to buy the rest of my dual lands? I do not. Just so I can still use them, but have the money from them, please. <laughs> right. Um, just going through the list, though. As far as this one goes, we've yeah. got the full. It's uh, so crazy to eight me that unmasks. Archon of Cruelty gets to hold slots right next to Grizzlebrand. Yep, two of them, not one, two. Yeah, and it's that's the thing is like there's we've we've mentioned this a couple times because Reanimator's popping up, but there's a lot of games where Archon of Cruelty wins and uh, Grizzlebrand doesn't. Yeah, Archon of Cruelty is a if, very powerful. If card. my opponent has an eight eight Merktide, Archon's better. Yeah, it just well it just kills the Merktide. Exactly, like uh, Grizzlebrand. If your opponent has an 8 8 Merc Tide, let's say you're at 9, <laughs> a very reasonable amount to be at, at that point in the game. Archon's better than Grizzlebrand, in my opinion. Going to 2 is not an option. Well, again, it just dies to Merc Tide. Against most fair decks, The in my opinion, the cruelty is better, anyways. Like, if you're not expecting to lose just out of nowhere to a show and tell mm-hmm. or, a, you know, a, a crater hoof or something like that, Archon, in my opinion, is a far better fair card. It's a slower mm-hmm. because you can't just. And to be fair, you typically speaking still want to go to Grizzlebrand first because it then gets you an Archon most of the yeah. time as well. Yeah. In this but scenario, like well, if you have to pick between the two yeah. sometimes, it's a very good choice. And that's why it's a 4-2 split. Like Grizzlebrand's yeah. your number one choice, but there's so many scenarios. Like we said, once you're down to like 10 life, which is not unreasonable, in especially games two and three where you're playing a slower game plan, the slamming Grizzlebrand and drawing seven is not an option anymore. Nope. Or, Both. hypothetically... What if your reanimate spell is reanimate mm-hmm. and you're losing seven life to get it into play? Well, at that point, I would much rather lose seven life and put Archon into play, gain three of it back, and and go up a similar amount of cards where like they discard a card, sack a creature, and you draw a card. Yeah. Now I'm up three cards on them. Yep. Um and well and that seems to be the fundamentally the changes you took out a lot of Chancellor Vanexes. Yeah. Trying to protect that turn one, like to guarantee that turn one win with that free four spike in there. Yep. And just popped them out for uh, the Emissary and uh, the Archon of the, and the Griefs and the Archons. And the Archons, yep. Yeah, they these went heavier into Unmask effects and Thoughtseize effects. Yep. So you just, you're not counting on the four spike. You're just going to go, I'm going to empty yeah. your hand of relevant cards yep. for free and then get a big dude out, yep. whichever one I need. Um doesn't look like there's anything super yeah. spicy in the side either. Beyond that, the, your three chancellors are in there. Yeah. So yeah, you could obviously in, in the matchups it's really important you could bring them in. Yeah. And it might be those might be the matchups like when you're on the on the draw against Delver, maybe bring those in just to completely remove Gazes yeah. from the picture. Next up, we've got Elves. That might even work though, I guess, because they get to play a land. They could tap the mana, bounce the day. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what they're there for. They're for they're there for something. Well, and a lot of times like. It just counters their first thing anyways. That's true. It so can be like, good. One of the things that sucks is like they play it, even if they don't go off, it counters the first outfly play. So like it usually eats a well it, it eats can something. Eat a green sun's anthem, or it can eat a, a brainstorm or it eats yeah. a yeah. Or it's a huge tempo gain and they don't do anything on turn one. Because it's the big. first it's the first spell they cast that game. Yeah. So like a lot of people will just sit on their turn one if they have something they have to resolve. Yep. Well, now you just didn't do God. anything for about half the turns this game is going to go. <laughs> Reanimator <laughs> only wants one thing more than a fatty Grizzlebrand, and that's more time. Yep. 
That's the last thing you give them. Yep. Disrupt them, kill them. Uh, speaking of disrupting and, and killing. Kill them. Yeah. Uh, we've got elves. We've got a Nettle Sentinel Heritage Druid Elves. <laughs> Did you no see Elves or Shepherds? $20. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about buying one, and the alt art is really expensive, but the regular one's like 25 bucks. Yep. I'm sorry. It was inevitable, and honestly, I've made probably my money back from buying them and playing them in tournaments. That's fair. So, like, I... With, We've everyone listening to this podcast has probably done that. Yeah, well, I mean, card, I paid eighty bucks for them because you need them or you want them or whatever, and they're expensive now. And then a year later, you're like, "Wow, those are penny. There's well, pennies now." And it they ha- it has. I've had them, I think, for two years you now. Bought the I first bought, round. Yeah, when I when they came out, yeah. they were eighty bucks. I bought my playset because I played Legacy Elves. Yep, and that is the best card that's been given to elves in a decade oh, by a mile. Like. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. So there was no chance in hell. I do not regret my purchase at all. I I try very hard to be very conservative and thoughtful with how the mon- how I spend money on magic so that when I just need to get something, yeah. I just get it. You can push that fucking button. Yeah. Cuz like I've I've made money playing magic like as far as value. I don't sell my cards, yeah. but like just by waiting and being patient, yeah. waiting for stuff well, to the, drop. The end of the day when you either cash out or die. Yeah, You've I made have money. far more magic money yeah. in value than so I've ever put in. So your children or your wife or whatever. Or my Some, dog. Or your dog. <laughs> That's all we're... Have you heard those memes where it's like, you know, boomers bought houses with yards for their kids, millennials bought houses with yards for their dogs? You're in one of those houses. First thing I did was build a fucking fence. <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> the so first thing I did was bought a fence or built a fence for my dogs. Yep, gotta have somewhere to keep your dog. Yep. Um, as far as the elves list go, this is kicking in a little old school. Like we don't, we've got the two crater hoofs, uh, four nettle sentinel, four nettle sentinels. There's no grist in here. Mm-mm. Like this is a very like, st- like stock list from a couple years ago. It's got besajus. It does. That's the one thing. It's got besajus. Um, doesn't have yavamea. Besajus is just too good to pass up. Like, of it and is. there's almost no downside. Yeah. Like that card is just fantastic. Um, sideboard, carpet of flowers, thought seas, abrupt decay, collector oaf, endurance, which is really good. We got that grist in the side, uh, reclamation sage, which is deceptively good against yeah. in the matchups where it matters. Reclamation sage is a beast, bouncing yeah, it it in and out of play. Sometimes just reclamation sage was better in the chalice era where yeah. chalice mattered. It was a lot better when before you got Allosaurus yes. Shepherd. Yeah. yeah, when Chalice mattered, it was really it was really really good. Just sometimes the first one's all you need. Yep. Uh, but yeah, obviously there's insane value to be playing a even a three mana what two one. Yeah, it's a three mana two one ETBs destroy an artifact yeah. or enchantment. That's a lot of times all you need. Yeah. There's when that card is relevant, it's because there is one thing stopping you, and you do not put one. Uh, Reclamation Sage in your deck, you put five. Yeah. And because you've got those green sun zeniths. With the prevalence of eight cast, the ability to bounce it in and out with Wirewood Symbiote does actually become relevant. Like, typically speaking, you're worried about Chalice of the Void or, you know, those kind of effects. Eight cast is another story. Probably Graph Tigger's Cage. Yeah. Like, stuff like you, like, you're worried about those hate spells when your entire, when your opponent's entire field is artifacts. Reclamation Sage is a monster. Like three mana destroy target permanent. <laughs> yeah. Except for Kappa Does Kappa Cannoneer hit ETBs? It's it's it's, any it's effect. anything. Okay, cool. Any effect that would target it just it from your counters opponent. it. Cool. Unless you pay four. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's reasonable. It's only seven mana though. Yeah. Um, literally one of the only decks in the format that could pay it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'll Guess tap I'll my just cradle. Tap a cradle. Dead. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, next up in seventh place, we've got Mono Green Cloud Post. The other only deck that I could pay for it, actually. <laughs> yes. I was literally, my brain was like, well, I guess cl Cloud Post. Also, Cloud Post could pay for it, but nobody fucking plays Cloud Post anymore because I didn't look that Except far. for this guy. <laughs> Except for seventh place. Um, Again, looking at the list. Wow, you know what's kind of crazy? Uh, he's got Reclamation Sage in there. <laughs> no, seventh place is only a 5 1. This must have been a small challenge. Could be. I mean, I'm not saying 5 1 is not impressive, 5 1 is impressive, but 5 1 got him into the top eight. That's not that crazy of a hot streak. That's a nope. that's five owing a challenge almost. Pretty much. Hmm. Sorry, just noticed that. Continue. In fact, five owing a challenge is harder technically. Yeah. Because you don't get that win. Like you still have to do the the five, but you have to do it in a streak. Or five owing oh. a league, you have to do it in a streak. That's true. Yeah, he got to lose. He one. got a, he got to lose one. Yeah, that's true. He um, basically went like, well, I, I can't. There's no good comparisons. So never mind. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, anywho, uh, we got reclaimers, endurance, Ramanat. Uh, Prime times, yeah. All the, uh, the all the spells, the crop rotations. Once upon a time. I mean, this looks pretty much what I. Yeah. This looks very similar to the list that we have proxied up from like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Like the endurances are different, obviously, but like yeah, everything got, else looks again, exactly. You got to besage you because duh, like a Yabamaya because duh. But this you, is almost the list we proxied up like a year and a half, two years ago. And uh, eighty percent of this deck's price is in one card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's five, five and a half grand. Yep. And four. And a half grand is in Tabernacle. Uh, Oddly enough, one of the most important cards in the deck. Yeah. Because otherwise, it just folds to um, go wide decks. Yeah. Pretty hard. I yep. wish they, God, I wish they'd reprint that. Yeah. But not going to happen. Uh, we got Mind Break Trap, Force of Vigor, Endurance, and Carpet of Flowers. So again, anti blue, anti combo. Mm -hmm. They do not want you to win on turn one or two. That's where they're at their weakest. Got to get those uh, cloud, post cloud posts online. They. In case you don't know, they come into play tapped. So, like, this is very much a snowball kind of a deck. Oh, yeah. As opposed to, like, like it's very explosive, but it's got a longer fuse. It's the way that it's those, they were, it's a it's a land locus. Yeah. And they tap for a mana for each locus you control. So once you have, let's say hypothetically, you got your third out, they each tap for three. Yeah. So three, six, nine. And then it's four, eight, 12, 16 if you play a fourth. Yeah, they're, they're a slightly different Tron effect, basically. Good way of putting it. You don't have to piece them together in the same way. As and long it, as they have locus, they yeah. add up. But again, they come into play tapped. So the first couple turns, the deck typically speaking yep. doesn't do anything. Um, and in rounding out the top eight, we've got five color zenith meat pie deck. Basically, meat pie, the yeah. uh, the new Nick fit playing green sun zenith. So you get to play all these like really good high value creatures that range from mostly two to six mana. Yeah. It's just hilarious. This is a legacy deck. It's a basically an EDH deck. Absolutely, it's an EDH <laughs> deck. I mean, like four Ice Fangs, I get that. Two Endurance, one, 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 one. Yep. Go Three down your Planeswalkers, one, one, one. Gosh, it's so funny. And then you got a bunch of four ofs for like the standard uh, blue and white crap. You so. mean the best cards ever printed, like Brainstorm and Ponder and Prismatic Ending and Sword Splash Yeah, the standard blue and white crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh. that's funny. Oh, yeah. Nothing in blue here we haven't seen before. Blue decks used to be like, well, four Brainstorm, four Ponder, four Preordain. Or not Preordain, uh, four Force of Will. There's your first 12. And now you get to add in four Swords of Plowshares, four Prismatic Ending. There's your first 20 cards of any deck and you want to build. And typically speaking, two Force of Negation. And two Force Negation. There's 22. Yeah. Throw, in 22 throw in 21 lands. There's 42. <laughs> so diverse. Go ahead and brew your deck up, Matt. You have 13 slots to play with or whatever the fuck it is. Mm, I feel like I could use Murktide Regent, mm, yeah. DRC, maybe Delver Secrets. That seems wise. So you're gonna play. Oh, so you're gonna play. Uh, and I'll just replace the swords with uh, lightning bolt and mm, yeah. uh, daze. Seems good. 
Yeah. Cool. Man, I think I just broke the meta. I, I agree. I think the meta has been broken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's our top eight. Moving over to the meta game summary, we've got uh, 22% effectively uh, with Blue Red Delver, seven of the top 32, and what did we say? Two of the top eight. Uh, other category has four. Uh, then we got Reanimator, Elves with three, and then eight cast with two, Jeskai Control, and Doomsday with two, and then a bunch of one ofs. Uh, one Arclight Phoenix deck. That's cool. That's kind of cool. But we were giggly this week. This is this has been a fun chit chat talking about these decks and swapping stories. Yep. Uh, most played cards. We've heard of the, all the stuff before. Force will ponder. Uh, Force, Force will, will brainstorm, brainstorm. Ponder. Lotus petal. Um, then expressive iteration. Lotus petal in fourth place is kind of odd. I guess we did have a decent bit of randomator show up though. Yeah, and then you throw in uh, like tests and oh, that's and good point. Stuff like that. So. Like Lotus Petal is a very powerful card. It's it's ridiculous to me. So this is one of the funny things. Let me guess where you're going with this. How heavy they're leaning into treasure. No. Okay. The funny thing to me is how powerful Lotus Petal is, and then there's a card three times as strong, and no one saw a problem there. <laughs> like, it's no, true. sure, we'll just build Black Lotus. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Now, to be fair, the game has changed a lot. Yeah. What you were casting with your Black Lotus wasn't Doomsday. It was Siobhan Dragon. Or yeah. Sarah Angel, whatever, like stuff like that. Like the game has just changed, but Lotus Petal is the fourth most played card in this challenge, and it's a third <laughs> as good as Black Lotus. Lotus Petals are twenty dollars. They sure are. I bought them in like ten. Yep, cards good. Well, I'll never be selling those. Um, well, you won't sell them until they get reprinted in exactly. in Triple Masters. <laughs> the uh, honestly, I'm probably pretty close to selling my Lotus Petals. I'm so far from playing any kind of degenerate deck like that. Like I'll sell down to like three, oh, one. Yeah, but- now you got to borrow Lotus Petals from me to play Reanimator too. <laughs> oh, that's right. I might play Reanimator. Do you have Lotus Petals? Yes. Oh, okay, I might sell mine. Of course I have Lotus Petal. <laughs> um, what I was going to say was, I agree with you on how insanely powerful Lotus Petal is, and they just chuck yeah. that shit onto so much stuff now. I mean, think Make about, two treasure. That's what I was arguing a lot with, uh, like, Ragaman and whatnot. Like, it's make, like, these cards that make treasures are making yeah. a card. It's a Like, Lotus Petal card. is a card. It's the fourth mace most played card in this challenge yep. and like well, you have things like dispute just makes yeah things like standard uh big score i think it's big score it's like three and a red and like like discard two draw four make two treasure right like that's insane that's that's you draw you discard two draw four and then get two more cards right you effectively go up what three because you you have the card you discard two then you yeah. draw four so now you're up one and yeah, then up a card and, and two up, treasures yeah not to mention you had that brainstorm effect of looting away your, Bad cut. You, yeah, that's assuming you, get, you discarded you, good, cards. good cards. Assumably, you discarded two lands on turn eight. Who or cares? Irrelevant cards. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> most played creatures uh, DRC, Murktide, Delver, Elvish Reclaimer, Get in There, Elves, hey. and Fairy Macabre. Good little sideboard card. Yeah. And then top spells Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Lotus Petal, Expressive Iteration. That's Legacy for the Week. You want to look at some modern? I suppose. I do love modern. I got to play modern again with Joe last night, and man, I love playing modern. It is so much fun. I do, not lo- I do not love turn one Arbor Elf, turn two Blood Moon. Well, that's, but that's I do what love drives modern. me nuts about Legacy, is like individual games of Legacy, in my opinion, are still the best magic. Mm-hmm. But when you go to a tournament and whatnot, and anywhere between 25 and 40% yeah. of it is one deck, like that's not a well, fun event overall when your local scene is like the leaving a legacy open we're leaving a legacy open it was like 10 percent across the board it was yeah. like it was like 13 percent jeskai control 10 percent delver 10 percent combo but some uh, whatever like yeah that's great 
like if if that was my local legacy scene, I would not be. I mean, I'd still be complaining about the legacy meta, but like I'd still be happy to go play legacy every week. Yeah. If one in ten matches I play against Delver, whatever. So. Well, and I don't even I get hate people. playing against Delver, but you don't want to like if you're playing a bunch, it doesn't do. matter what you're playing against. I you're gonna playing. get. I also I, just hate playing. Sure, against Sure, that's fine. <laughs> but like that's like a personal thing, but it doesn't matter. You could pick your favorite matchup, and mm-hmm. if I asked you to play it 20 games in a row, by game fucking 10, you're yeah. going to be like, yeah, I'm done with this. Yeah, For perspective, so I played Pioneer again. for like the This is like my eighth week playing Pioneer in a row. I played one repeat deck. Right. And it had a bunch of new cards in it. He put a bunch of stuff. Uh, Joe put a bunch of new stuff in his Esper deck. I played against four-color Omnath Ramp, and then I played against, um, uh, what's that What's that card? Uh, what's that card that go gets things based on color? That you, uh, bring delight. You yeah. specked in. Yep, bring delight. Dumbly. That yeah, I played hey, against Bring the Delight. Sees play. It's it not my fault that Don't worry, they reprinted it again. <laughs> well, not only did they reprint it, they got printed a ton yeah, printed in that again. Zendikar. So. Yeah, I got to, I played against two brand new decks I've never seen before, and a third that I had seen but had like a bunch of new stuff in it. And I've been playing this format for two months every Monday and on the weekdays. Yeah. Crazy. Anywho. Yeah, modern. <clears throat> so first place, bringing it home, we have Max Magieser. Uh, which one are we doing the super qualifier? Yes. Okay, yeah. Cool. So there were there were two events on Sunday according to MTG Goldfish. We are gonna look at the super qualifier. We try every week to hit the event that we think has the highest stakes. At least when we have the data. We didn't talk about the League of Me Legacy Open because when we recorded, we didn't have good data for it. Yeah. Uh, so we were, we were excited to talk about that challenge that week. But this week we have a mega uh, modern super qualifier, which, as we've discussed before, qualifies you for something. I think it qualifies you for the mocks. You get a sticker that says you are super at modern. That's what it qualifies you for. Well, that it, seems like low but it's EV. it's not a real sticker. It goes on. It just goes on your avatar. <laughs> yeah. It just goes on I'm your avatar. super avatar on MTGO. It's a sunshine sticker that says, I'm super. So I think when you do well in challenges, you can qualify for a super qualifier. I think that's true. And I feel relatively confident that a super qualifier qualifies you for a mox, which is a, like a Magic Online championship series. A very big, a very large event. But... Yeah. First place, Max McGeeser with Crashing Footfalls. We've got the standard Cascade Crashcade deck that we see every week. We do have four Fury instead of any subtlety, yep. which is a slight change. Uh, beyond that, I don't see anything out of place. Yep, like we we talk about it every time we talk about these. Yep. But yeah, it's very compact sideboard. Yeah, I that three blood moon is a thing of beauty, and then Endurance, Mystical Dispute, and Force of Vigor four four four. Yeah. I know what I'm worried about. Second place. Oops, my computer is uh, crashing. So the audience can sit with me while I slowly get back to that page. I think it might be the interwebs. Don't you hate shitty internet? Yeah. That 900 megabits up and down is brutal. (laughs) Missing my 15 already. (laughs) We have Is It Control in second place. This is the almost identical to the like tracking still with the blue red Delver of Legacy, even including... Ledger Shredder with the Merc Titan Ragavan. Well, and that's the thing is like, so you've got Merc, Blue Red Merc Tide, and then you've got what this is calling Is It Control? The list is almost identical. I know, yeah. They, they... just traded DRC for uh, Ledger Shredder. Yep. Very, very minor change. I get they're very different cards, but a pretty minor change. The Spell Suite is what we see every week with these kinds of decks. Bolts, pierces, heats, counterspells, iterations, charms, uh, some bobbles, a dress down. This is pretty standard. Nothing, not much innovation here, other than, like I said, playing with that DRC spot for Ledger Shredder instead. Obviously, both cards are very similar in the way they generate 
pseudo card advantage by putting things in the graveyard, helping you maybe helping you churn through your deck faster. Ledger Shredder being twice as much mana is very relevant because two isn't more than one. It's twice as much as one, but it does become a threat. Yeah. It, it becomes a threat probably faster and definitely bigger than DRC. Yeah. The uh so I've been reading a little bit about it, and so I don't want to take credit for this as like my genius brainwave or something. But people were talking about it. The reason a lot of these decks are moving away from DRC is the more prevalent this deck becomes, the worse DRC gets. Yep. So like you switch to Ledger Shredder because like your DRCs are now running into more frequently being forced to attack into Merktides and Ledger yep. Shredders. Well, not to mention. <laughs> and that's when they're at their worst. Um, graveyard hate is very relevant there. Yep. Um, these decks still rely heavily on Merktide. And when you rely heavily on Merktide and DRC, Graveyard Hate is a real hindrance to the deck. Uh, Ledger Shredder is a way around that, where even through Graveyard Hate, you still can create a a 2-4, a 3-5, a 7-8 a seven, a eventually, and now you have a build-your-own-Merktide that doesn't require the Graveyard. Yeah. I mean, I've been playing... I was playing against Derek when we were playing Legacy, but like, I want to say he like slammed a rest in peace on turn 3 or whatever, and I couldn't counter it, and then I realized that my, my DRCs are never going to be more than one ones, and my Merktides are literally uncastable. Yeah, so good luck uncastable winning the game with Ragavan. Three threes. Yeah. I think at the time you were playing what? Uh, it was a Jess guy. It was yeah, a the Jess, Jess guy, guy Merktide. Yeah. Ragavan was still legal, and it was uh, a bad decision to let that resolve. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't do it again, though. No. It was good prep for the tournament. I didn't let it resolve the tournament. Third place, we've got Amulet Titan coming in. So we've got the Titans, the Cultivator Colossus, uh, everything in the creature suite looks pretty much the same. Spells, artifacts, don't see anything strange there. As far as the creature or as the uh, land base, the the only interesting one is this Slayer Stronghold. Uh, remember the other, the name of the other one we talk about? Uh, Emperor is quite the expert on this, and he always reminds us it's Slayer Stronghold. And I think it's just the next one, Sun Home. It was they, a Sun Home. Yeah. It was something else. But this is... Um, I thought that's what it was, was Double Strike and uh, Haste. No, it's the land that has a creature on the back. Or like it more. It's one of the lands that like oh. morphs into a, into a creature if you have both of them or something. Anyway. Oh. You know what I'm talking about now? Vaguely. Yes. He will put it up in when he posts us on Reddit. He will let us know. Anyway. this is The Slayer Stronghold and the Sun Home uh, allows you to basically do a one-turn kill quite easily. If you have the mana and the, and the amulets, which kind of given but the way it works is you get your slot your uh, slayer stronghold it comes in you use the mana from one of your usually one of the there's a there's usually a red white land does it have the red light the red white land by chance the red white bounce land yes boros garrison yeah, you so you get boros garrison and that to give it uh plus two plus oh in haste so now it's an eight oh with haste then you can attack with it and give it double strike with sun home fortress so it makes it into a um, will be an eight eight double strike haste. You're yeah. swinging in. You're dealing sixteen. Effectively dealing sixteen, which in is modern, almost always game that's over. Almost always lethal with a fetch and a shock and another fetch. That's game. Yeah. Well, you can also and a way you can help round that out is you can go be getting a Vesuva or yeah. not a Vesuva. A thing, when it, that big thing is like it gets that attack again yeah. and like you can get a Vesuva. The Vesuva can come in and copy the Slayer Stronghold, untaps, tap it. Give it another plus two plus O, and now it's a ten ten double strike. Yeah. You also have lines where if you have lands, you can go get a Valakut. If you have, if you have like a Dryad Arbor, you can go get Valakuts and Vesuvas and get tons of mountains that way. There's a lot of flexibility in the in the land suite. Obviously, this is a lands deck. There's a lot of flexibility in that suite to to finish to get the kill right away. Because even 
even in modern, sometimes putting four lands into play and making a 6-6 six, six and attacking for 15 isn't enough to kill your opponent. Nope. Other than that, I don't see anything um, don't see anything surprising other than that little little trip down the, the land suite there. Fourth place, in my opinion, a very interesting decision, mono-white hammer time. So we lose blue, we lose reality chip, we lose spell pierce, uh, we lose Azorius Renegade, Lavinia, we lose a Lavinia card for better mana. Better against Blood Moon. And that's about it. But yes, better against Blood Moon for sure. So we got the Memnites, Thopters, the Sentinels, uh, Pure Steel Paladin, and uh, where's the Cigarda's Aid? Which are, oh, uh, Shams, one of the guys at the Pioneer Knights, talking about building Hammer Time in Pioneer. Because mm-hmm. Cigarda's Aid is legal. Yep. There's Cigarda's Aid, and there's other some other like two mana instant that attaches. So I was like, I was talking, I was like, well, once you get, once you reach eight enablers, that's kind of the critical mass to where you can make broken things happen kind of reliably. Yeah. So he's he's gonna go for it, and I'm really excited to see how it comes out. Him and Drew are like super min maxing. It's really funny. They were like diehard EDH players. And they play decent decks, but they're just EDH players. They have come in, and like Drew pulled me aside the other day, and he was like, "Dude, me and Shams brewed up some decks, and like we're getting like fucking turn three, turn four wins reliably. It's crazy." And I was like, "Good for you guys." Yep. I'm happy to see you like <laughs> really getting to flex your competitive muscles. So I'm e- I'm eager to see how their decks turn out. Anyway, back to the real world. Um. So your Stoneforge Mystic Package in this is going to be Nettle Cyst and Cauldra Complete. I do not see any swords in the side, so that's going to be all you're ever getting. And then beyond that, nothing else really surprising. I basically have this deck. The uh, <laughs> an interesting interesting inclusion is the Sunbaked Canyon and Silent Clearing. Just some dual land, some dual pain lands that you can sack for yeah. a card, which is really really clever. Yep. The those of um that's a fairly common tactic. Like yeah. I used to do it as well, and with like modern elves you just run a couple of them mm-hmm. it's like horizon canopy was the the only one for a while gotcha yep but until it, they finish the cycle it gives you the color you need worst case scenario and it also just gives you a card later in the game yep and the big thing is is like every other deck is also playing a painful mana base yeah and you're just throwing in a couple like yeah it, you're taking way, almost never no matters. fetch lands no shock lands yeah. like you're taking way less damage than anyone else in and the big thing eight. is what you're what you're doing if you don't do that is you're leaving a resource on the table yep. that you're not utilizing it doesn't do you any good to win at 20 yeah it doesn't and that like yeah is it really better to have two more basic planes right or get some extra cards late in the game fifth place the more traditional tron list mono green tron we saw a couple weeks where we were seeing that Prison Tron. Uh, it was definitely a little less traditional. I guess it could be like OG traditional, but as far as recent history, it wasn't as traditional. Yeah. But we have flexed back into this mono green list, running things like Thrag Tusts, um, Olamogs, Ballistas to finish the game out. Obviously, your your 10 Planeswalkers, ranging from 8 mana to 4 mana on the low end. All of your things to go find your stuff, like Ancient Stirrings, Sylvan Scrying. Some great artifacts to filter to get your colors, get your lands, get some cards, wipe the board, and then just yeah, winning off of. Usually, I mean, the most common that I see is winning off of Karn into a what's that big old worm? Worm coil engine. Yeah. Now, in fairness, as I say that, this person's not running worm coil engine, but that is the most common win I see. Where you see you, they slam a Karn, they go get worm coil. Worm coil stabilizes almost every board these days. Obviously, it's pretty weak to solitude. But beyond that, it's pretty hard to deal with. And it also pairs quite well with Oblivion Stone. Or does Oblivion Stone exile? No, it destroys, yeah. It pairs quite well with Oblivion Stone where you can, there's plenty of lines where you can get your Worm Coil, and Oblivion Stone is still a viable solution to your enemy's board because it just destroys your Worm Coil. You make two, you're good to go. Yeah, the uh, that's an interesting little 
subtle difference there is Thrag Tusk is just when it leaves the battlefield, you get the 3-3, three, three, not when it That's dies. That's a good point, yeah. So you so could all, your so Thrag Tusk is like even better solitude. against Solitude or you know, anything that exiles. Man, against Solitude, it just gains five. It just gains ten life and makes a three-three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good job going down two cards. Yep. I'm just really happy to see. Like, I was playing a decent amount of Modern when Tron was everywhere, and yeah. a lot of people hated it because it was every. It was basically the blue-red Delver yeah. of Modern. Well, back in the day, people compared Tron to uh, Mishra's, not Mishra's Factory, Mishra's Workshop in Vintage. Yeah. The uh, the way is is they've banned like seven cards out of Mishra's or restricted like seven cards in Mishra's. Mishra decks in Mishra Workshop. It's Workshop, right? Yeah, they're just called... It's Shops is what it's shops. called. Shops. Yeah. Uh, well, there's there's Mishra's Factory and there's Mishra's... Yeah. But yeah, Workshop. But it's Mishra's Workshop is the... Res- the yeah, is the land. Vintage one, yeah. Yeah, they've banned like... They've, they've restricted like seven or eight cards to avoid restricting Shops. And for Tron, for a long time, and that uh, Primetime was in the same place, where they were like banning things, a lot of things out of Tron and out of Primetime to avoid banning the Tron lands and avoid banning... Well, I mean, Primal if you ban Titan. if you ban Urza's mind, this deck is dead. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. if, if one, yeah, right. it, it's same with Prime Time. If you ban Primeval Titan, that deck no longer exists, and so they've yeah. been weakening it and weakening it. But there was a huge outcry from a lot of people that were just so tired about playing against it that they they want they wanted to nuke it. They wanted it gone. Kind of like the way like the way some people treat Blue Red Delver right now. And that's not us. We don't want Blue Red Delver to cease to exist. But there were a lot of people that wanted Tron to cease to exist. Yeah, it'd be cool if it wasn't thirty percent of the meta. That's our goal. <laughs> sorry, um, 26.1%. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. Jeez. Remind me, what got uh, what got Ragavan banned? I don't want to do that again. What got again? Oko banned? <laughs> I, was, I had someone throwing shade at me about how they were saying that Top got banned because of timing restrictions. So I looked up the ban announcement, and it said both. It said because of high play rates or win yep. percentages and because of time restrictions. Well, if you think about that. Th- so I was like, at least half right. If you think about that. All the way through, if it wasn't everywhere, the time restrictions wouldn't matter. That's true. I know. Yeah. Like, if top was, well, let's say, <laughs> if, if top, top was, was in one deck, if top was literally a Nick Fit and Dead Guy Ale, probably wouldn't be causing that many rounds to go to time. Right. If it's in 12 to 15% of the meta, all of a sudden it's, it's causing a, some now problems. It's a problem. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was politely throwing shade on the Discord. And I was like, I'm at least half right. Well, to be fair, we always tell everybody to call us out on yep. any bullshit they hear. And then oh. I will flame them. Yep. <laughs> uh, sixth place, another Cascade list, Four Color Living End. I'm going to say the same thing. This is a deck that you're very restricted he in what you get to play. He does have the subtleties. They do, are, they do have the subtleties running. Uh, looks like subtleties have taken the place. No, they haven't. We do have the, we also have the Colossal Sky Turtle. So our two like only recent additions, the Sky Turtle, which is basically a good regrowth. And what else does it do? It does two things. You can channel it twice. Or you can channel it two different uh, it's ways. It's a bounce. It's an unsummon. Two very good abilities. Yeah, that's a good card. Instant speed regrowth or instant speed bounce. Very strong. And then two subtleties, just some nice way to buy time. Other than that, the deck's pretty locked in what it's allowed to play. Then seventh place, another Is It Merktide list. This looks almost identical. I don't know what you mean. This deck is radically different than it, Blue Red Control. It doesn't have DRC. Blue Red Control doesn't have DRC, and this has true. three of them. Merktide Regent decks have three DRCs, and we've lost obviously some spells. I think we lost one Merktide Regent and then some stuff in the in the spell suite, but we still have the exact like band of spells, like bolts, pierces, heats, counter spells, charms, iterations. <laughs> Almost the exact same deck. Listen, we made some room in there somewhere for the um, for the DRCs, but beyond that. Exact same, almost exact same list. And eighth place, a very 
Crashcade, or I should say Cascade heavy top eight. We've got Crashing Footballs bringing in with Crashcade. Uh, again, Furies in place of the subtleties in the Creature Suite, and beyond that, nothing that looks out of place. Yeah. Pretty standard stuff. Core Firewalker is, I don't think that was in the other list, was it? Sideboard. That's yeah, not the main, was it? No, they were in the side. Be, isn't Core Firewalker a two-mana spell? Yeah, but it also just beats Burn, if I remember correctly. Wow. That is a that is a, that is a ballsy sideboard card. That's worth. I mean, like the entire premise of this deck is nothing costs less than three. We always get our rhinos. Well, against burn though, you do want to. You wouldn't mind cascading into this because it's just game over. Like burn basically can't beat Core Firewalker because you gain a life every time. Every a red time spell a gets player cast. casts a red spell and it's got pro red. Yeah. So like, there's just no beating that card i mean it's not literally impossible but yeah. like if that comes down early like on turn one or turn yep. two turn two the game's just done they can't attack effectively nope like I, I, fairness, you, uh, I will tell you as, as someone who got burned I, I was playing sanctifier and vec a little different but that same pro red uh if you're playing a deck like this and you score a core fire a pro red creature be very careful when they make bad attacks yeah, they can do things to prevent damage or just yes. stop damage from being prevented. It's, it's stomp. Stomp yeah. is very common. I got and I just got totally hosed by like it's like well, I got in my mind. It's like well, they're playing. They're the aggro deck. They have to attack to try and advance their game plan. So I'll take this block, and they stomped my face and killed my sanctifier and back, and I lost like yeah. two turns later. So so you do have to protect it. Keep in mind that like yeah, like you might have to take some attacks. Yeah, or at least you have to block very carefully because it's there are ways around that, but it is difficult. That's for sure. I'm surprised to see that. But it makes sense. I guess, yeah, it's like whether you flip Rhinos or that, the game is probably going to be over soon. Yeah. Makes sense. So metagame summary, a beautiful metagame summary in my opinion. Yeah, this is. So Crashing Footfalls, nice. Mono Green Tron, Blue Living End, Murktide Regent, uh, Yogmoth, and Burn. Three each. Yep. 9.4% on the top one, two, three, four, five, six, six. decks. That's Awesome. And this is at a super qualifier, so this is where a everyone is incentivized event. to play the best deck they can possibly play. And what the closest thing is Blue Living End and Crashing Footfalls. Those decks are sort of similar in that they're both cash, um, Cascade decks, but yeah. like that we don't have like Merktide and then Is It or whatever <laughs> Is It Control or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, that was really cool. We do have a little bit of that. There is because I they do have Murktide Regent and Blue Red Control. That's a total of five in the top yeah, thirty-two. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't, I, but it's we not didn't have three and three. Yeah, they're yeah. not huge they're numbers. Technically, as I, said, I guess five is a control deck since that puts that closer to like fourteen percent. Yeah, but still, like, that was a really cool top eight. And then yeah, the we have a burnt or uh, the Blue Red Control, Amulet Titan at two decks, and then a bunch of one ups. The uh, the thing that I think is kind of interesting is the boogeyman of the format didn't really show up. You've got one five color Omnath and one Elementals in the top thirty-two. Yeah, and we, those are the between. There's those two decks which we kind of lump together because yeah. they're very similar. And then there's Murktide. Those are kind of the two decks to beat, in yes. my opinion. And well, that, one of them just didn't show up today at all. That was the the joke title I made a few weeks ago, where it's like just play Blue Red Delver and Legacy and four color Money Pile and Modern, because yeah. that was kind of the consensus for the last like month or two was like just play Money Pile. Money like you want you want a good deck that's probably going to win a lot. Just play Money Pile. It's yep. really good. I do also love like just looking at the prices of this top eight. There's one, two, three, four, four of the top eight are less than a thousand dollars. No, that's awesome. These Cascade decks are cheap. Yep. Even Yogmoth, Yogmoth in tenth. That's a really good deck for only eight hundred fifty bucks. Yep. And then, well, like Mono Mono Green Tron's six hundred ish, a little less than seven hundred. Hammer Time mm-hmm. seven hundred. Like 
there's some really good options in that sub 900, sub 800 price Which tag. Which is, and, you know, ridiculous to say. I know. Well, I mean, still. there's standard deck. Some standard decks are like five, six hundred bucks these days. Well, hell, a lot of Pioneer decks are four to six hundred now. Yes, a lot of Pioneer. I was looking at that Rakdos Sack deck, and the mana bases are kind of expensive. Yeah, that Rakdos Sack deck is like 550 bucks. Yep. Again, did you know that um, Blood Crips are like $25, $30 a piece? It's yeah. a fetch land. Or it's a, fetch land. It's a fucking shock land. Yep. And it's like 30 bucks or 25 bucks. Well, I tell people, if you're going to, when they reprint this stuff, if you don't have them, yeah. Because the funny thing is, I Pick was actually looking at blue, picking up Blue Red Sacrifices my next deck too, because kind of like, it's like the. Com- Rakdos, yeah, you mean? Yeah, Rakdos Sacrifice. It's kind of the complete opposite of what I play now. Mm-hmm. So it'd just be two wildly different play styles. Yep. Um, so I was looking at it, and I picked up some of the cheap crap because I just figured they're good to A have. A lot of it's cheap crap. So, like, basically, the mana base was the only thing, and I'm like, I. That's where almost the entire price of the uh-huh. deck is. And I'm like, I only have two Blood Crips. Yeah. I Because, like, I don't play Black Red much. I think I also have two. So I have a couple for EDH decks. Yep. I think I have two Blood Crips. And then I've got, with these two color decks, I'm pretty stingy. I might pick up a few pathways here and there, but I just I just run a lot of basics and kind yeah. of make it work, figure it out, at least for the first couple of weeks figuring it out, and I usually do okay. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Having Crooks in there makes it a little worse, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I've got one Crooks. But yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy how expensive mana bases are, even in Pioneer. Just bad dual lands. Yeah, well, the thing is, is the shocks, they're not even bad dual. I mean, they're well, bad. True. They're worse dual lands, but they're the second best land cycle yeah, ever true. printed. And they're, they're expensive. But the things like the pathways, God, if they just got rid of every fucking pathway in Pioneer, I'd love it so much. I hate playing with flip cards. I know. It's so obnoxious. I hate it very, very much. I keep half of them flipped to one and half of them flipped, like, like if I have four pathways, yep. there's two on the white side, two on the red side, and I, I'll... I have made plays where I'm like, I don't want to flip this over. And I just play it. I will take a less efficient line so that I can leave my card in the sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Like, screw it. I am right there with you on that. It's so obnoxious. I mean, I hated doing it playing blue red Delver because you're just like, yep. You flip it and then you set it on top of the sleeve mm-hmm. so you can put it back in. But like constantly pulling your Delvers out of your sleeves. Yeah. I forgot this up. I have because I have one more thing I want to talk about, and we're already we're about an hour and ten minutes. Most played cards. Force of Vigor. That's weird. <laughs> Lightning Bolt, Unholy Heat, Mystical Dispute, and Expressive Iteration. Force of Vigor is not a card we talk about very much, Mm-mm. but it is a fantastic yes. card. Well, Force of Vigor was the first kind of fury where it's that like, oh, it's card disadvantage because you're discarding a card, except it hits two things. Yeah, so it's, it's not even. There's a, I mean, it, there's a, and typically speaking, what it's destroying is way is better way, than whatever you just, you know, getting rid of your ley line of the void as like a. Uh, living in deck is yeah. like, yeah, I'll pitch an extra card for that. Yeah. Um, Justin Gennari, who is, I am level one. I am, I think I am level one. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest vintage players and streamers and content creators and data collectors on the internet. He had a running thing where like, it was like day 97, day 182, day 212 of saying that uh, Force of Vigor is an egregious card design and one of the worst things ever to happen vintage. Because in vintage, you have all the moxes and crap. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, uh, Force of Vigor was was the first like pitch spell that was just card neutral because you you're down two for their two and and like at that point now you're looking at um, on top of just different power levels like I'm going up on mana by definition. Well, sort of because a lot of a lot if of you, stuff in vintage well, there you're getting rid of moxes. Yes, yes, like yes. But I'm, look, look, I'm I was in my mind I was thinking back to like modern. Yeah, where most rid- things in modern, I guess you could have played a ley line, but like. Most of the things you cast, and yep. you paid mana for, and I didn't pay any mana. Mm-hmm. I I personally think Force of Vigor is exactly where it needed to be, 
Um, if it was just one, it wouldn't be worth running at all. Mm-hmm. It, like it, I, in my opinion, it needs all of that. But it's one of those things that it just, it's kind of like Lightning Bolt, where Shock sucks and Lightning Bolt's probably too good. Yeah, I don't think one artifact or enchantment's enough. Mm-hmm. And like, I, why would you play a free disenchant? Like, there's just better things to yeah, do at that point. Yeah, there's better things to do. Um, my opinion on it though is like, oh, I think it's, the, the, it. I it think it's wasn't great. Designed for vintage. Yeah, it's great everywhere except vintage and like. Sorry. Well, and even then, like you guys fucking play Time Warp and Black Lotus. I'm or, certainly sorry, no Walk. vintage expert, but like I have very little sympathy for people who are like, "Oh my god, my mocks got blown up." <laughs> yeah, dude, I got. Dude, fuck- if you're if you are in vintage, going this card's too strong. I uh, yeah. What? Quite I got, frankly, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I got flamed in the chat one night. Uh, leaving, not leaving legacy. Legacy pit. Who I'm a huge fan of. I'm I'm literally a very expensive patron on there because mm-hmm. I love their channel. They have helped me. Per, uh, the owner uh, Travis Parsley has helped me a lot personally with this podcast and my internet stuff. So I'm a, I'm a high level patron. I help him out a bunch. So I'm not. I don't hate them. But they were playing vintage one night because they're lo- they're coming. They're doing like a 10k coming up, and it has vintage side events. Yeah. With like 10 card proxy, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I ton thank you guys for doing expensive events. Um. Well, it's almost proxies. mandatory there. Like, why would you but, show up to a side event with a hundred thousand dollar deck? Yeah, but at least they're doing it. I'm happy. There's no, unfortunately, there's no proxy for Legacy, but take what I can get. But they were playing Vintage all night, and I was like, I asked, like, are you guys just just gonna play Vintage tonight? And they were like, yeah, that's what we're doing tonight. And I was like, that's cool. I'm not really a fan of Vintage. Vintage just kind of feels like, for the most part, who draws more restricted cards, and that's how a lot of Vintage games kind of end, in my experience. I've played a dozen or two games of Vintage, and. A lot of games kind of has that Merktide effect where a lot of games will go back and forth and then someone draws their Ancestral Recall and nothing mattered. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, gotcha, cool. I don't know this matters. And so I said that. I was like, And someone was like, that's not how Vintage works. And I was like, I mean, I've, I've played a few dozen matches. I actually did well in a Mana Traders event. I qualified for the day two, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it felt. The game, the reason I won is I was playing a deck that ran all the you power were playing nine. Like and Oath of Druids, right? Oath of Druids, yep. And the game, I won because most of the games I played, I was able to go like turn one, land Mox Oath, and, and that if won it the, resolves, the game's over. The game ended pretty quickly. That, what do you grab with that Grizzlebrand? Or? Uh, it's usually it's, it was either Grizzlebrand or Sphinx of the Steelwind. Yep. So yeah, it's just like. Because that's the, what, like, five, six, double strike lifelink? Yeah, pro every important yeah. color. <laughs> yeah. So hit, hit, dead. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I've played, I, I have it. Which is answerable by Force of Vigor. It is. Does it have pro green? I. It was definitely pro black. And I, think I don't I, remember. I think it was pro red, pro black. So gotcha. it might be answered to Force of Vigor. But anyway, I've played some vintage. I'm a few, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a handful of matches deep. And the person was just like, well, that's not how vintage works. And I was like, I, probably not. It does have pro green. It's red and green. <laughs> of course. Oh, so, even, so that's, what, that's, how it dodges, that how, that's how it dodges uh, Assassin's Trophy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was like, that's fine. I, I'm i wrong. Sure. I don't want to watch. I don't play watch. So I just tuned out. But I was, I was getting kind of flamed in the chat for not respecting how vintage is mostly EDH and that, oh, I drew my one of. Well, it's like the game, one of the games I watched. Like the person, the first person went like turn one, like land mock standstill. Landmox Lotus standstill go with like one card in hand, and so his opponent went like untap. I'll just cast my ancestral, and we're both ancestral. And it's like, if you didn't have ancestral, this game's fucking over. Yep. Because he had like he'd done something turn one, sure. and there's like three cards in hand, and so now your opponent's going up to like five or six cards in hand, and you'd have one or two, except you drew your one of ancestral. So you guys have drawn an equal amount of reserveless cards. So this is or not reserveless. Uh, sorry, restricted. restricted. Although they're also reserveless for the most well, part. Well, yes, but um. So the funny thing is, 
and I will back you up a little bit here. I'm not a vintage expert. I, I've said it multiple times. I don't play vintage uh, for multiple reasons, one of which is it does. I'm kind of with you on that a little bit. But if you bring up the idea of restricting cards, what they will tell you is, well, if you just restrict a bunch of cards, then all that means is the games are going to boil down to who draws the restricted cards. Like if you were going to like yeah. restrict Opel. Well, so why don't we restrict cards in Legacy? Right. Because that's... Because wh what happens is the games become wildly... They, they become much higher in variance, and uh -huh. the people who draw their restricted cards, yeah. typically speaking, win. Well, you have a whole format where that's the case. Uh -huh. It's not saying the entire format is that yeah. way, but it is a relatively fair statement to say a lot of games are decided by who drew their restricted yeah. cards or not. A lot of... A lot of gameplay actions get completely negated by drawing Yawgmoth's Will. Yeah. Or Time Walk or Ancestral Recall or Mystical Tutor or Demonic Tutor or whatever. And the thing is, you can say that's the case without saying that's a value judgment. So you go, this is the way Vintage is. Yeah. It's, deci it's built around these incredibly powerful cards and it's a f relatively high variance format. Yeah. That's not a value judgment. Then you can go, I either like that or I don't. Yeah. That's I, your value judgment. I like it once in a blue moon. Yeah. But I don't want to sit and watch it for three hours. Right. Uh, top creatures, Endurance, Charlotte's Agent, Ragavan, subtle, Subtlety and Endurance, fourth and fifth. Subtlety, the secretly the the best uh, elemental, question mark? <laughs> well, it's the fourth best. <laughs> fourth best this week. Yep. Glad I bought mine. Hope those don't spike Did you buy in yours? price. I bought four. Uh, I need to buy mine. They I... were like, we, we were talking about it, and they were like, Three dollars a piece, and I'm like, oh, a three dollar mythic. They're eight now. Nice, <laughs> a three dollar mythic that does a very specific and un uh, like it's nothing part else of does the cycle. it. Yeah, it's yeah, unique. It, nothing else does it. It's very specific. It's very powerful. It just isn't good right now for like three bucks. Yeah, I'll buy it. Top spells: Force of Vigor, Lightning Bolt, Unholy Heat, Mystical Dispute, Expressive Iteration. So, uh, let me take the timestamp really quick. Whoa, we're at an hour and a half. Uh, but I want to talk about this. So. Too much time talking about Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And we had a lot of fun talking about Legacy, too. We had some fun and some fun stories to throw in there. Um, so what are we talking about? This will take five minutes. Uh, there was a band announcement today. and Which it, I didn't even know about until Jake told me. It was hilarious for a lot of reasons. Now, I didn't catch this right away. I believe it was Andre Mangucci on Twitter that posted it, and I appreciate him for pointing it out to me. Uh, when it was originally posted, it read as thus. June 5th, 2022, Bannon and Restricted Announcement. Effective July 5th. Uh, they got the date wrong in the announcement. It has yeah. since been fixed. Yep. So the announcement date, July 5th, 2022. Oh, it's right. It's effective July 7th, but whatever. You get to play that card for another two days. Banned in alchemy. The format that was designed to not ban cards because we'll Are just... Are there any other cards banned in nope. alchemy? Okay. okay just we'll making just, sure. We'll just fix them. It's okay. There have been fixes. There have been... Yeah, the... That I think, makes sense. I think the uh, the Vesper Lark combo got uh, got fixed. That we we talked about the Vesper Lark combo where it was there was something that like gave a creature perpetually minus two minus two. Yeah, and you could give it to a Vesper Lark, and it basically made Vesper Lark be able to bring itself back infinitely because mm -hmm. Vesper Lark was like, oh, it's like a three three. I'm gonna make some numbers up, but essentially, it's a three three, and then it uh, can reanimate when it dies a creature that like power two or less. Yeah, so you perpetually you, make it, and it can reanimate. Oh, I think it was itself. maybe it was like a two two or whatever, and it had to be like less than two. But you make it a you make it a zero zero perpetually, so it just comes in, kills up, comes in, kills up, comes. That's essentially the the gist yeah. of it. And then you find some way to abuse infinite ETBs or death, blood artist or whatever. And they fixed the blood it. Artist effect. They fixed it so that the spell that did that, whatever creature, uh, was like a one man instant, just said that your opponent's control. They fixed the spell. <laughs> I guess in alchemy, though, we don't fix spells anymore. We just ban them. 
we like we we created a whole new format that, by the way, has fucking flopped. So the data I'm going to pull it has. the data I'm going to pull from is a reference to I believe MTG Goldfish, and I believe they were referencing data from um, Untapped GG. Now, for perspective, this is a aftermarket software you have to download. It's free, but it's an arena tracker. So when you play arena, it'll track like your win loss percentage. It'll track your collection. It'll track your all kinds of crap. It'll even give you help drafting, I think, which mm-hmm. is super cheating. But like, yeah. whatever, it's a tracker. Um, it'll when you're playing, it'll tell you what your percentage of draw land is. You can be like, hey, it'll be like you're you're forty two point three percent likely to draw land, and you can see all the cards in your deck. Um, I just forgot. I just forgot where I was going with that. Gotcha. So the data they're pulling is from that service, and so there's obviously a, a narrow subset of yeah. arena players that download extra software to get better. But it was like four hundred million matches in this time frame. Time frame played of standard, and like forty forty million of alchemy. <laughs> Or four million yeah, or something. Like it 1% was one percent. It was like one percent of standard. It was there was things like yeah. It was like like standard was the biggest by a lot. I don't know like if it's a big number for that time frame, but it was a big number. And then like historic was pretty close after that. Um, Explorer was was a ways back, but catching up. And then alchemy was like like laughably like say if it was like four hundred million, it was like forty million alchemy matches were played, laughably low. And then they come in and they're like, well, I know we were just going to be fixing cards. Well, now we're going to ban them. So I was like, what'd you fucking make this for? What'd you ruin Historic for? Because <laughs> when I'm playing Historic and I go up, I, I mean, like, I play a decent bit of Historic. I enjoy it quite a bit. And when, I, when my opponent casts their second fake card, I just concede. Because they generate so much value. They are so good. They're so stupid strong. Mm-hmm. Because they're just they're just money grabs. They're just money grab cards. One of them is, so for perspective, because you don't watch any of this crap, one in a black, target opponent discards a card. Then they may discard another card. If they don't, you get a random card from their deck. What? That's a card. Uh, in two your man- hand. You got to yeah. cast it still. No, but it, I mean, that's two mana. They discard a card, you draw a card. Yeah. Or it's, it's him e- to Turok. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> There's another one. It's a one in a black instant. I believe it is draw two cards and then cards in your hand that cost more than three perpetual. You, you lose a life whenever you cast it. Gotcha. So it's just one in a black well, to draw two at instant speed. Not even sign in blood? Nope. You do lose a little bit of life if you cast expensive spells later. Oh. Yeah. Well, we all know how magic players love casting expensive spells in competitive formats, yeah. right? Like. And that that's those are old compared to the new alchemy sets, and they've just gotten worse. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's ridiculous. Like these, and so like I said, when I run up against them, it's just they're just cash grab cards. They're super strong. I'm not mad at people for playing them because like if they offered me to play Black Lotus, I probably would too. Yeah, but like once they once they cast like two or three of them, I'm just like, yeah, I you're right, I lost to your bullshit. Enjoy, I enjoy your pay to win. You have yep. won this game. <laughs> your credit card came in clutch here. Yeah, that's the eighth card in your opening hand is your yeah, credit card. No shit. But anyway, I saw that today. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. And then I saw like uh, Manguchi kind of like commenting on the other stuff. And I was like, that's kind of funny to talk about. So I thought I'd yeah. give it five minutes on our podcast. Yep. Which that's exactly why I would never play Alchemy to begin with. Yep. And I have no intention of ever touching Arena. I'm The only thing that yeah. might get me on Arena is when Pioneer, Pioneer eventually is real. Is real. That's I was thinking the other day about like I kind of want to buy a pioneer deck because like or a explorer deck because uh, I do I do have a decent chunk of wild cards saved up and I have decided that I'm not necessarily gonna just wait for Lotus Field because mm-hmm. I do enjoy other decks but like it's really hard to know what deck I want to buy when 
explorer is one sixth of pioneer and yeah like i'm gonna buy some i'm gonna put a bunch of resources into something and then it's not gonna be good in two sets or or maybe they won't release a set for another two years and i could buy a deck and it'll be good for two years i don't fucking know yeah your life is better off if you don't play arena i, I don't and i play it every three days to and get like, my fucking things in to me it's one of those things unless you are like a legit like grinder trying to make money playing magic yeah I pers like I I get it. You get to play more magic. Yep, that's the best thing about it. That's I mean, it's, to me, it's the only good thing about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> very true. It's it does look good. It does well, look very I mean, good. Don't get. I'm not. I as far as the the whole system as a whole goes. Yeah. Like obviously, it looks good. Whatever. But to me, it's you're playing more games of magic. Mm-hmm. But as I've said before, I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think magic kind of works a little bit on a bell curve where yeah. it's like where you kind of want to be in the middle there where you're enjoying the games yeah. and you're good at, you're playing enough the, games to be good there is too much magic people. and then there's because like on one end you've got no magic and that sucks yep on the other end you've got i've spent the last 12 hours every day playing magic and then in the ideal thing is in the middle it's, yep. like, it's a pretty nice bell curve i have found it it's three to five hours of magic every monday and it seems to be turns out friday night magic is exactly where magic probably is supposed to yep. be. Maybe a commander game thrown in there once a week. Well, and that's what you do. You and that's the way magic used to be. And I'm, I don't want to be like the back in my day, but back in my day, well, you uphill, play. You, it was uphill both ways to the shop. To be fair, it was. There was, <laughs> there were like we we were scrambling to find somebody in our group to drive us 45 minutes to the Oof, local card shop. That's a long way. <laughs> like we had to drive from Goshen, Indiana, to South Bend. Yeah. in high school. So, like, that was not an easy task. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, that's what you'd do. Like, we'd play Magic at lunch table, but mm-hmm. it'd be either it was almost always multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And then, like, we we would find time for individual games, but, like, then Friday night came and you played for real. Yeah. So, like, it was casual through the week just playing it as a game, and then you had one day that was effectively, and then a lot of times, like, we'd get done with school, you wouldn't play till 6 or whatever and we'd play like prepping for friday night magic or whatever yeah but like friday was the day for competitive magic mm-hmm. or whichever we used to hold yeah. like our own tournaments well now it's like oh my god poop might as well play some competitive magic right and that's that or like i got home from will work never be me i guess i'll go play competitive magic for four hours right that's not me like i i, I love magic and that sounds horrible to spend that much time playing it. I try to go in, and especially I, against strangers. So, um, my favorite deck to play on Arena because I only go in to do my daily challenges. Like any type of daily login game, you get mm-hmm. it's and it opens like, like cast twenty creatures or a lot. Well, a lot of times it is is cast twenty five blue or green spells. Yeah. So what I play is uh, what's this? What's the Cascade Sliver? Uh, the first Sl- sliver. The first sliver, because casting the first sliver, it has all five colors in the deck. And it is the highest ratio of cast of per game. Spells. Yep, because I get to cast, 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 cast. <laughs> I play that deck only because it is the highest ratio of casting spells per game. And just that hit is your, possible. get your dailies in, and just get them in quick. No matter what they give me, I can play that deck. It's all my colors. I'll hit random stuff. It's kind of fun because it's very good, and it just I I will cast one thing and that'll cast four more things, and because casting twenty five spells can take like six games. Yeah. So that's my favorite deck for that reason. Alrighty, Matt, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah. Okay. So uh, to reiterate, Planestalkers Podcast is uh, twitch.tv forward slash Planestalkers Podcast and discord.planestalkerspodcast.com. Check them out. Uh, the Discord is where you're going to go to get the uh, the legit information on this box giveaway, but it's going to be a really cool giveaway. Come watch the stream. You have to be there at the end at least, and 
uh, guys, join the Discord. You literally have the chance to win a free like four hundred dollar box of cards mailed to you, sealed. Like it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be there. Matt's gonna probably be there, but we're gonna be chit chatting in the chat and yeah, come. Like there's only gonna. I mean, the Planeswalkers are popular, but their their events usually only have like less than thirty people enter. Like I suspect we'll probably have between twenty and forty people in this event, which means you have a sort of one in forty chance of winning. Yeah. I mean, like I, I put a one in forty chance of winning a box of double masters, let alone a collector box. Especially when it doesn't cost anything. It to doesn't do. cost a dime. One more shout out to our personal patrons: uh, Emperor, Ramblin' Rogue, Derek, Joe, Eric, Monowolf, and Ethan. If you want to join the Patreon, go to Patreon.com/slash/CantripCartel. I try to always put our ad at the end because I don't want to bog down the beginning. But we do appreciate all the help they give us. Um, they do get a decent number of perks. They get access to uh, an extra show that we're getting ready to record. We usually do an extra 30 to 40 minutes. Right now it's Pioneer. I could see in the future we might start devolving into other things. We'll kind of see. I kind of want to reach out to the Patreon and see uh, if they have an interest in other topics. But we do usually 30 well, to 50. we've made some Pioneer converts. We have, we have, we have, con- I have, we have convinced many people to buy Pioneer decks. It's pretty funny. Yep. I, in my opinion, it's currently the best format of Magic. It's very uh, fun. outside of EDH. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like the, EDH we'll to say me, the best competitive. Yeah, the best competitive format. But uh, you get a ton of extra content each week. You get access to our private Discord, where there's literally always something going on. It's actually a very active Discord. And uh, at the higher tiers, you actually get access to some pretty good merch. One of the things we have done, uh, we do have, we got stickers, and I'm mailing out stickers to all of our patrons. So anyone that becomes a patron at any level will get a sticker in the mail, and it'll probably come with a handwritten letter because we appreciate everything you guys do for us. It'll say, suck it, nerds. Well, unfortunately, you'll know who wrote it if you get that. <laughs> I think Matt will be writing. I think Matt has a plan to not write very many thank you lards. <laughs> but, sorry. Suck it, nerds. Thanks. Thanks. Yep. That's the least I, the least you can do is tell them thank yep. you. But we do appreciate our patrons very much. We try and give them all the extra content we can, perks we can, because they support us in such a direct way. And then after that, uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can always email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com. If you listened to the Family Gathering podcast where I went legitimately tinfoil hat, and I mean so tinfoil hat that I almost told Derek to not post it, I immediately had one of his listeners email us and inform me that he felt that I was right, or at least that my my tinfoil hatness was founded in the, what his knowledge of coding is, and so I learned this little sidetrack. You know, on um, on Wow, I think it's Blizzard. Blizzard has a patent that pairs people when you're playing uh, uh, player v player PvP. It pairs people that don't pay with people that do pay. Yeah, I've read that. That's a patent that exists. Yep. They literally they punish you for not paying by making you play against people that pay so that's cool so anyway so he, i had a lot of validation that i might not be completely insane but check him out for that episode you get to hear me and matt chit chat and hear my crackpot theories uh if you want to reach out to us on twitter it's at cantrip cartel we do have a facebook group that we are in sometimes and i do answer lots of questions there it's cantrip cartel on facebook and we do have an instagram cantrip cartel where matt is busy posting some dope memes sort of it's all for the lols yep other than that Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Uh, you're not forgetting anything, but if you do want to check out the world's longest plugs, rewrite, rewind this episode about five to six minutes, and you can get it. We do something. <laughs> I'm not talking shit. We're just in the middle of our plugs. We got sidetracked. I know. <laughs> this is sidetracked. This was the this podcast. Was, all we did was just tell stories <laughs> yep. all day. Yep. 
I God, I hope people don't come here just Second for magic. Second tangent <laughs> in the plugs, by the <laughs> way. Yep. Well, no, I think we got it all. On that note, then I think we will see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. Honestly, I don't think I can beat uh, just I'm on turn two. I'm going to cast a Goblin Warchief. I'll sack my Skirk Prospector to cast Goblin Warchief. Pass. You going to kill it? No. Okay. You can have. So, yeah, I'll untap, play a land. Um, uh, pile Driver. Pile Driver, Pile Driver. Uh, I'm going to attack for 20. Fog. Turbo Fog. Did not see that coming. This legal. We discussed it like six <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> you know, you used to let me win these. <laughs> you haven't lost. You got a fog. <laughs> Kill me next turn. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Drinking mad, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting ale, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms of Sophia, some so scary, so legendary. Queer and rangers cross the sylvan libraries, for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound, Allosaurus, shepherd danced on dinosaur stopping grounds, Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found, through their visions doused in serum they saw only for how, to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses, make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic, through ancestral visions they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel, draw cards with the cantrip cartel, Strong cards with the cantrip cartel.